Welcome to IntelliKey Leadership Stories, a series of unique interviews with successful people in many fields. Leaders who are innovating, building, and guiding organizations with a higher vision. How they put their values into practice to achieve the full potential of themselves and their organizations. Now, here's your host for IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. This is Kirsten Gouldy and it's Mark Stenson coming to you live here today um, on our podcast in discussions about Phil Jackson, which Mark will explain a little bit more. But I'm Kirsten Gouldy from Pure Intellike, also Kirsten Gouldy Intuitive Advisory. And Mark? Yeah, my company is a Bioscience Bridge. We're a heart-centered brand consultancy. And this idea that we've been uh, pursuing on IntelliKey Leadership Stories, I mean, to break down this title, IntelliKey being full potential and the potential that's inside you already and how a leader is one to help create the right environment, the right, uh, you know, collaboration among the players and uh, the, the stories in their own words. And that's what we've really enjoyed is talking with our guests and hearing the stories in their own words. And uh, we just thought today, there's a story about Phil Jackson, as Kirsten said. Phil Jackson, uh, well-known coach of the Chicago Bulls and the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, but those of you who are already saying, oh my gosh, a sports analogy, a sports story. <laughs> Stay tuned. It's not just a sports analogy. Now, if you love sports, it'll be a great story. But if you, if you say, oh, I'm not really into sports, this is really a leadership and a management story you know, sort of hidden and tucked inside uh, a sports story. And so we're really excited to share it with you. Yeah, very excited. And Mark, I will add, anybody, all of my um, individuals and companies that I work with in consulting or coaching, I often use sports analogies. And, you know, anybody who knows me knows John Wooden's one of my heroes. But, you know, what people don't really understand for an athlete to be a top performer they have to transcend what's possible, right? That's really yes. a distinctive component. And you can translate that into being a CEO, CFO, or C-level executive, a top sales performer, you know, even being a transcendent parent, right? Anybody knows we get exhausted raising our children. So, <laughs> but you know, the, the athletes, it, it takes something spectacular for an athlete to train beyond what's possible. So I'm really excited about this topic today. Yeah, and I think that, you know, the business of sports and how sports figures have become business people. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson we'll talk about today, but you know, you continue that thought on and you say that Tom Brady or, you know, LeBron James, Emmett Smith, uh, you mentioned John Wooden. Yeah, so all, all of these, long-time well-known sports figures will also say, not only for their second careers, you know, what kind of business will I be in after sports, but even to manage the business of their sport um, it is top of mind for them. So they really are, they're hungry. And we've been talking about Mark Cuban 
over the last week or two. We have um, it. We have yeah, it. So, so all of these people are, are, you know, overlapping business sports. And with athletes, of course, their human potential. Uh, but the story we wanted to share today of Phil Jackson and, and his leadership story, uh, his own words are in his book, 11 Rings, The Soul of Success. And of course, the, the title is referring to his 11 championship rings, six with the Bulls and six with, or five with the Lakers. Um, and certainly the Chicago Bulls, known as you know, one of the great sports dynasties, winning these six championships throughout the 90s. Uh, they racked up these wins, but a lot of people forget uh, there was a Michael Jordan before there were all these rings. He played for the Bulls for several years before Phil Jackson was the coach. They did not have a winning record. And uh, coming from Chicago, believe you me, I know, it was really <laughs> easy to get Bulls tickets for a long time. <laughs> and then it became really hard. That's right. So, We're still waiting for that to happen to the Knicks, just saying. There you go. The Knicks <laughs> could be still waiting. But, uh, you know, so they, a lot of credit then goes to Phil Jackson and all the great players that were on his team, but they didn't really play as a team. And that's the story that we're really going to today, that when they came together under Phil Jackson as the coach, it made all the difference. Uh, and you can see the record, you know, before losing record, after six championships with one team and five championships with another. Now, what many people don't know that really is highlighted in this book, 11 Rings, quite a bit, is Phil Jackson uh, personally was a Zen meditator. And even now after his career, he sort of retired to Montana and you know, lives out on the open range and uh, practices his meditation. But he wrote it about this experience with his book. And let me tell you in his words what he said. I discovered that when I had the players sit in silence, breathing together in sync, it helped align them on a nonverbal level far more effectively than words. He calls it one breath equals one mind. And I just think that's a powerful idea. So he had rituals and techniques. Obviously, they practiced the plays. Obviously, they practiced as a team. But when he created this mindfulness for his team, uh, they connected so much better with one another. And it really prepared them for what they were going to do on the court as well. Yeah, that's great. And I'm going to tie that to actually one of his principles. Number five, turn the mundane into the sacred, right? And he says in his principle, he incorporated meditation into his team's practice. I wanted to give players something beside X's and O's to focus on. What's more, we often invented rituals of our own to infuse practices with a sense of the sacred. That is where the outer world and the inner world really intersect. That's, you know, a little bit to you. Mark and I were laughing when we talked about that. This is a little bit of the woo-woo, if you will, right? Sacred. Well, and, and you think about the bosses that we've all had, right? And yeah. so every listener now is thinking about a manager uh, in their own careers who've done the X's and O's. You know, they've called the plays. They brought the team together and said, this is what we're going to do. This is our strategy. Let's get out and make it happen. Mm -hmm. But they did not bring us together as a team. No. Uh, so, you know, what we see on TV, when Phil Jackson brings the players over to the sideline, everybody take a knee. I'm going to show you the play. But what we don't see, you know, 
the weeks, months, and years prior when he's really built the, uh, the teamwork, you know, in these other uh, conscious leader practices. That's right. And I, you know, he further goes on to say, similar to the principles used to foster greater creativity in an organization, he used the system as the triangle of, the triangle of fence, and he called it a vital role of each individual for high level of creativity within a clear and well-defined structure. And I'm going to speak quickly to what you just mentioned. We've all been in organizations where they lead from the top down. They don't integrate. In particular, you know, I've been in many organizations where the sea level was so disjointed, it created a fragmented fragmented and chaotic organization all the way down the chain. And what you have in there is an ego-driven environment and a me, mine, and my area. And this principle that he talks about moves you away from an individualistic, ego-driven component and into being a cohesive team and ultimately, you know, quantifying it out of sports, ultimately benefits shareholders, customers, and employees. Well, exactly. And as we've been thinking about scorecards, scoreboards, yeah. measurements, yeah. metrics. Right. Uh, this, was, this was one of Phil Jackson's biggest thing. It's like, if I can keep our eyes on the spirit of the team, right. the scoreboard will follow, you know, then, then we will score the points. Uh, in his words, here's what Phil says, most coaches get tied up in knots worrying about tactics. I prefer to focus my attention on whether the players were moving together in a spirited way. So, you know, he was really emphasizing not the score, but how the team was working together. And he felt like the more they could get them to work together. And don't forget, you know, that, again, the, the sports names uh, don't really matter. But when you had a Michael Jordan and a Scottie Pippen, yeah. and who could forget the colorful Dennis Rodman? Right. Um, you know, if you can get these guys playing, and uh, and I think you brought up just before we uh, turned on the recording, but you know the the masculinity, you know the egoness, the drive that would come through these players. Um, are any of them going to just sit back and say, "Oh, I'm feeling so zen today"? You know, let's all get together. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, that, that's where a coaching leadership and uh, many people may be thinking about their organizations again and saying, boy, if I go into my meeting on Monday morning and have this kind of woo-woo mentality, uh, my staff might think I've snapped. But uh, if we focus on, you know, hey, we're really here to reach our collective full potential. If you meet your individual potential, that's terrific. If we all meet our potential together, that will be even better for the organization. Yeah, and to that point, I think that's great, right? That is for organizations, that is what the intention of KPIs is for, key performance indicators, right? Is to drive the organization towards a common goal and principle so we can achieve certain measurable outcomes for the, for the sake of shareholders, the company, customers, employees, etc. Unfortunately, what doesn't get cultivated is the inner character of the leaders that collectively becomes a cohesive unit around those KPIs. 
No, so true. Uh, and, and, you know, and uh, the individual performer, you know, gets a lot of attention. Oh, in, absolutely. In a, in Especially if they talk well about themselves. Well, you know, and it's <laughs> like, hey, I, you know, if this is all about scorekeeping, look yeah. at my sales, look at my call numbers, look at my cu customer, same store sales, you know, whatever your KPIs in your organization is. Yeah. But le let's go on and see what Phil Jackson says about that. He says, when a player isn't forcing the shot, or trying to impose his personality on the team, his gifts as an athlete most fully manifest. So this idea, that's why I want team players. Because if you're, you know, this is in Little League, this is in, uh, you know, high school basketball. <laughs> you know, right. Don't be a ball hog. That's you know, right. Hey, we all got to work together here. And, right. uh, and look, again, if, if my friends or fellow colleagues uh, and former uh, teammates are listening to a podcast like this, they'll say, wow, Mark, you, you haven't always done that. You've often uh, bragged about being a great individual performer, or you've been that kind of ego-driven uh, CEO of a company. You know, how can you be on a podcast like this talking about these principles? Well, you know, we, we all learn. We uh, grow. We all grow. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'd like to think that the leader I was in 1986, uh, in 1996 and 2006, you know, is not the same leader I am today. Uh, you know, I love so we can all grow. that because one of the things I know that caused me great frustration and, you know, I know a lot of people will roll their eyes when I say this because we're tired of hearing it and yet I'm going to say it anyway, right? As a female in male-dominated cultures, it was really um, difficult to navigate ego-driven leadership, right? Because it, sometimes it wasn't the top performer. It was the loudest, biggest bully in the mm -hmm. room that mm, captured the sense of the organization. And yet we could never find out why our numbers did not work, right? So add a female perspective or the feminine perspective, i.e. the balance of masculine and feminine, right? The importance of having both where you can infuse, because this type of leadership, infusing an entire team together is more of a feminine principle, if you will, right? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. beginning to cultivate team players, equality, moving up together, it isn't an environment that I've really had the pleasure of working in, in many of the organizations I've been in. Right. Yeah. So, and yeah, and you know, you can look at these uh, sports, uh, both the teams, the organizations, the players, and uh, it it is good now. I think more than ever to see that they do have another side of them. Absolutely. With their philanthropic efforts or their volunteer efforts, they've formed foundations. I mean, the the fruits of Michael Jordan's work now uh, will go on for quite some time because he's taken and reinvested so much of that uh, wealth he generated. Uh, selling a lot of shoes and a lot of basketball tickets <laughs> and a lot of merchandise, you know, but all of that now can, can also go to some good. And, and I think that, that higher, open up yeah. a series of McDonald's in disenfranchised neighborhoods to bring jobs to the marketplace. Yeah, sure. And you know, the, the same with, uh, you know, so many of the other players now, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, what, what else can you say about Magic Johnson? You know, he's gone into neighborhoods and, uh, gone into Actually, businesses. you're right. I think it was Magic yeah. Johnson who did yeah. that. Yeah, but right. I mean, the same idea. You know, Michael right. Jordan's done that with uh, hospitals in Charlotte and so forth. But 
you know, this higher purpose, and this is also a quote in the book, but it's from one of uh, the former players and one of Michael Jordan's uh, co-players, John Paxson. Uh, and John is uh, famous for this sort of, you know, from the corner shot he made in one of the games to win the game because other players were selfless in not taking the final shot. You know, John Paxson was not the name brand player on the team. He was nice and he was popular, but it was not going to be the headline um, unless the selfless act of passing to him. Uh, and this is the same in so many organizations, but here's what John has to say. It felt as if we were part of something really important. We felt like the good guys because we were trying to play the game the right way. And it was as if we were a part of something bigger than the game. And I think that's what we're looking for when we say IntelliKey, that you know, if, if you're running a company just for the numbers and just for the profits, um, then you, know, you, you can be successful. But if there's some higher purpose, it will be a magnet for talent, it will be a motivation for talent, and it will bring something that uh, nobody else can really do in an equal business with a, just as good a product and just as good a service. But if we have this higher purpose, I think we can shoot for something better. You know, and I'm going to segue here for a second and talk a little bit about your company, Bioscience Bridge, right? Um, I've had the pleasure of working with you. And as you always say, I can help you develop, you know, the essence of your company and the core of your brand, which as we begin to move into this new paradigm of consciousness that's coming, right? Yeah. Um, these are tools that become more important because it's the soul, it's the IntelliKey of a business, right? So tell us a little bit about when you're working with a client. So it's very personal for people starting businesses or launching businesses because people are having greater visions of being of service, of wanting to provide something good to the world, really leaving a mark, if you will. How does your, you know, developing the essence of somebody's brand really speak to that? Yeah, and, I, and I've had such a privilege over my career to work with so many great companies uh, and, and multinational companies, um, you know, and, and it's always a good feeling to come out of a branding workshop or a branding project and say, we really built something good for this company. But on the whole other end of the spectrum, I've also had a chance to work with startup companies and as you said, personal uh, stake in these companies because it, the individual, the founder, uh, also has such a part of the brand, you know, in them. Um, and individual practitioners, you know, we're in a, a gig economy where a lot of people are individual practitioners, we're consultants, we're, you know, that sort of thing. And so to develop your own personal brand is to say, how am I going to outwardly express what I inwardly want to accomplish? Uh, and how will I communicate that? And how will I make sure I stay on that course? Uh -huh. uh, and so almost, you know, and it, it overly simplifies it. But I, I'm kind of a reductionist at heart. Yeah. And if I can say, we're going to get an 11 by 17 piece of paper out. And we're going to draw a forward fast symbol. And so it's those two arrows, just like you have on your remote. We're uh -huh. going to you know, fast forward through this. And each one of the six points on those two arrows is going to stand for something about your brand. Uh -huh. It gives us a chance to demystify, 
you know, there's so much, I mean, look, we've been talking about the Bulls and Michael Jordan and Air Jordan shoes and Nike and Just Do It. The, the brands that you think, oh my gosh, I could never aspire to be such a large brand. And look at all the money they spend to develop those brands. But the same exact model applies. We could get the same 11 by 17 piece of paper. We could go to the same whiteboard. We could do our Zoom meeting with the chalkboard uh, tool. You know, all of these things, we could develop the essence of a brand. And so when I have a chance to, to work with clients, and again, whether it's in a large workshop or whether it's at a coffee shop one-on-one, um, the, the elements and the essence are the same. This biology of branding, there is a science to it, and the bridging of where you want to be, you know, going from where you are to where you want to be. That's the bridge of Bioscience Bridge. So let and, me ask uh, you, really I, fun. I've had this um, thought as you were speaking, you know, have you noticed a change, right, going back to Phil Jackson and who he is as a mindful leader? right and incorporating principles that weren't very popular at you know as he was doing that right are you watching a change in businesses and business leaders that are really wanting to find a way to do it different because if i recall in old marketing all the marketing people i knew you know stay away from making it personal right to to really brand yourself above and beyond you needed to not attach yourself to certain things, don't say certain things, right? Are you finding it's moving over to a more heart-based conversation where employees matter, people matter, country matters, government matters, it all matters now? I, I think so. I think this all-encompassing, you know, ecosphere of forces uh, mm-hmm. that, uh, I mean, the authenticity brands talk about, you know, it is personal stories. Uh, employee engagement, you know, take care of the employees and the business will take care of itself. Right. Uh, take, if you treat your employees as your number one customer, they will treat the customers better. Um, and I know for my own practice of heartfulness meditation, there is actual clinical research that, you know, quieting the mind makes people more creative. Uh, I think what Phil Jackson found, and maybe perhaps he was ahead of his time, was that you know if you're a calm, mindful coach of right. your people, you have ways of bringing them together uh, that may be the old command and control, you know, with the horses kind of manager uh, can't. But what I am finding is, you know, you don't necessarily go into corporate America and say, you know, let's all sit cross-legged and uh, let's do our meditation. But I have been successful in doing visualization exercises. Uh You know, we are going to quiet and we are going to close our eyes and we are going to have some soft music and we're going to visualize. Uh, I've used vision boards for customer connection rather than just vision board for you know, hope, wishes, and dreams kind of goal setting. Um, So there are some, you know, conscious practices that I think uh, more and more, you know, companies are open to. Uh And I think the the way that customers, clients, uh, even collaborators want to work with me and my company is that, you know, as one of our guests said, you know, is listening. I loved when Jazz talked about, you know, can I listen to my customers better? And so if somebody wants to go back and listen to that podcast with Jasmina Moore, they can do that. And so I think 
all of us as being better listeners can be better team players. And uh, that is what's going to build people's brands, both personally and company-wide. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's fascinating. I'm going to segue for a moment. I just watched an interesting um, pod, um, Netflix show on Madam C.J. Walker, where mm -hmm. she was the first black millionaire uh, back in the 1920s for creating hair product for the African-American community. And she bought a mansion next to Rockefeller. And there was a moment at which she had an opportunity to go for the money and expand into these, you know, five cent stores, 10 cent stores at the time, or choose her employee base. You know, there was a protest, choose the employer, employee base that helped her build her wealth. And Rockefeller said, you know, told her, you know what to do, fire them and go mm -hmm. to the store. And then in the next scene, you see her going out and talking to this, the protest of the women who helped her build it. And she chose the women. Mm -hmm. She chose the people and she built a legacy that lives on today, right? Mm -hmm. So she had a defining moment. And you and I talk about that often. There are moments that actually define us as who we are as leaders. And, and this is what I work with my clients all the time is that character, right? Yes. Yes. You have a choice moment to moment to moment on who you're going to be and how you're going to lead, including in organizations, right? But those defining moments define everything about us, right? It has ripple effects. And, and I love, I mean, if we look at the, the name of Phil Jackson's book, it has the word soul in there, right? Yes. It is about the soul, the essence, the deeper aspects. And I know for myself, the companies that I work with, the organizations as we're doing organizational, you know, rebranding and development and restructuring, cultivating a leadership from the top down, that it, that's how it has to be. And for Phil Jackson, he had to be the base of what everybody stood on. It's, the, it's not the other way around. We don't start from the lower employees and hope it grows up. The top has to cultivate that essence, that core value, that character. Uh, it's so true. Well, this has been a uh, great episode, a great conversation, Kirsten. And again, uh, thanks to, uh, for stimulating the, the ideas in the conversation. And, and to our listeners, keep the questions and comments coming. We've got a great lineup of uh, future guests that are going to continue this conversation and every now and then we'll bring you a profile like this uh, maybe from a book or another leadership example but we'll close with this thought about you know even what moves bill jackson and what stimulates him in his words what moves me he says is watching these young men bond together and of course he's talking about his players and so as you think about your companies uh, young men and women but watching people bond together and tap into the magic that arises when they focus with their whole heart and soul on something greater than themselves. And once you've experienced that, it's something you never forget. Yes. So we look well, forward to continuing the conversation. Keep the, the cards and letters as we say, keep the comments coming. Follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and thanks to TriPoint Studios for uh, all the recording. And uh, anytime you need to capture your talent, uh, TriPoint is the place to go. So thanks to them. So here's to you and your IntelliKey reaching your full leadership potential. And we'll talk to you again next time.
Bye. You've been listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories with your hosts, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Connect with us on LinkedIn or visit our websites, www.pureintellikey.com and www.mark-stenson.com. IntelliKey Leadership Stories is produced by TriPoint Studios, copyright 2020. Views and opinions expressed are not necessarily those of the TriPoint Studios or its other members. You can find this and other TriPoint podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Thanks for listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories.